Voices that inspire the extended interview. So when did that kick in? Believe it or not, um, it kicked in in childhood. Um, I was very fortunate enough to to grow up in a house full of educators. Uh, not only was there a great deal of emphasis, support, and encouragement uh, given to me uh, on the importance of obtaining education myself, uh, but also just ensuring that I understood, um, you know, a little bit about my family heritage, actually more than just a little bit about my family heritage. The household that I grew up in, uh, in Madison County, was multi-generational, and it contained my grandmother and her sister, my great-aunt Julia, for whom, incidentally, my firstborn daughter is named after, uh, my mother, uh, and my Aunt Julia's daughter, my cousin Gail, uh, and then there was me. Uh, and my Aunt Julia uh, was an educator herself, uh, having obtained her uh, education here at Florida A&M, uh, came back home to Madison County to, to start a teaching career there that would last 41 years. She started teaching in 1956, uh, at a an all black segregated uh, high school there uh, in Madison, uh, became one of the first African Americans to desegregate uh, the school system in Madison. Uh, once full desegregation came about in the early seventies, uh, as a teacher, um, so she made that that transition from teaching in a in a segregated environment to to a desegregated one. Uh, so she often, you know, shared stories, uh, as teachers are wont to do, uh, about various encounters and experiences that they had in the classroom. Uh, but, but placing her story within the broader context of what was happening all around her and, and frankly, all around the state and country at that time um, has always been a point of fascination uh, for me. So not only was I reading about these things, but I was frankly living them. Um, my mother graduated from an all-black uh, high school in Madison County 11 years after the Supreme Court said that, you know, segregation was uh, unconstitutional. Um, and it took a while for the folks in this part of the, the country to, to get the memo uh, which will explain why even as late as 1965, you had people like my mother graduating from uh, institutions uh, such, as, such, as, such as she did. Then there was my cousin Gail, um, my Aunt Julia's daughter, uh, and she was really the one who encouraged and spurred on my love of reading uh, from an early age. Uh, she herself was a bookworm. But to look at her educational uh, heritage, having started in a segregated school and then making that transition to a desegregated school when she was in ninth grade. So for the first eight years of her uh, educational experience, it was one dynamic and then having switched to another and an already difficult time in, in a young person's life, high school, adolescence or at that time, junior high school, I should say. Uh, and so just, just having this realization 
that in my family, I'm the first one to have had a totally desegregated experience. Uh, And I just turned 50 years old this summer. So the events of uh, Jim Crow segregation, the dynamics of it all, um, that, you know, being that close to me and in my own lifespan uh, is just really awe-inspiring when I think about it. So that, too, uh, has motivated me to to just delve in uh, just to the stories of, of people who were otherwise caught up in broader currents of, of great social change as, as these things were happening around them. We're going to step back a minute and have you introduce yourself. We just have people say their name and what they do. Okay. Uh, Andrea Oliver, professor of history at Tallahassee Community College. I, as you were talking, you, if, I really feel like you've lived the history that you now are teaching. You know, it, it, you're, you're very close to it through this multi-generational family that you come from. So that gave, gives you such an interesting perspective on these these issues and where we are now. I mean, it, it's it's a little disconcerting where we are right now and how that is going to play out for our future and our children. Well, the the beautiful thing about being well versed in history is is understanding and recognizing its cyclical nature. Um, We are going through uh, a, frankly, reactionary period, Um, but we've gone through those periods before. Now, when I say we, I'm speaking Queen's English um, because most of us who, like me, may have come of age in the the 70s or the 80s or the 90s, um, we may not have seen anything like this in our lifetimes, Uh, but... uh, Again, Queen's English, we, we've been here before. Um, History shows that there's a pattern. Uh, Anytime you experience uh, moments of of great social change and progression, there's a reaction to that social change and progression uh, that that we have seen. Uh, So the cycle uh, that we're, we're currently experiencing Dare I say that started with the election of Barack Obama, the realization that census demographers tell us that by the year 2040, we will be a minority majority country. Um, and having just uh, just completed a census count, you know, not not more than two years ago, demographers are saying that transition is happening even faster than uh, what we had originally thought, and that you already have states, some of the largest in this country, incidentally, uh, that have already undergone that uh, minority-majority transformation. And this unsettles some people. Uh, And so they are going to uh, react uh, to to these changes in ways that, that are often regrettable, uh, and are regrettably, in some cases, lethal. Uh, or there's a response at the policy level. Uh, but uh, again, if you recognize and understand the patterns, uh, what goes up must come down. Eventually, what goes down will come back up again. So I'm hopeful 
and must remain hopeful uh, that uh, as uh, as Americans come to recognize and understand these patterns and how we work our way out of certain things, uh, which is through education, uh, that um, you know these 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 boom bust cycles of reaction to to progress uh, will be shorter than they have been uh, historically. So how did you find your way to Tallahassee Community College? Um, rather uh, rather uh, indirectly. <laughs> um, you know, the multi-generational household of educators that I mentioned, uh, they all encouraged me not to go into education, uh, ironically, uh, not because of anything other than the pre- the pay and the prestige. Um, and you have to understand, too, um, again, being where I grew up, the time period that I grew up in, I think my family just, just thought that, you know, I deserved more or was entitled to more. So I really thought I was on my way to law school. In fact, when I came out of high school, that is what I declared that I was going to do. Uh, ironically enough, it was either going to be a career in law or, or broadcast journalism. Um, but I had gone through all the paces of prepping for uh, eventual admission to law school and, in fact, did get admitted to <laughs> a few law schools coming out of, of Florida State uh, when I did in the early 90s. But um, as a member of a sorority uh, while a, an undergraduate at Florida State, uh, one of our community service projects was to mentor and tutor local students, um, and again, as a part of our community service. And I found, interestingly enough, that I really enjoyed working with young people. Uh, so despite my family's best efforts to encourage me uh, away from a career in education, um, and despite, again, having been admitted to a couple of law schools, um, I decided instead to get my master's in education. Um, and from there, uh, found myself, once I completed my uh, master's work, uh, in the eighth grade classroom uh, at a local middle school here in Tallahassee, as, um, because it was a brand new school at the time, I was its first ever American history teacher. Uh, brand spanking new out of school at the ripe old age of 23. So I wasn't that much older than my students. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I loved the, the element of just working with the students and, and, and also, you know, the subject matter that I taught. Uh, so from there, I uh, was uh, blessed enough to transition into an administrative position, working with a program for at-risk youth, which allowed me to pick up a few graduate-level courses in, in history um, while working, decided after a time to, to just go to school full-time to pursue uh, uh, a doctorate in history. And um, I guess the rest, they say, is history. Did some adjunct work. Um, for a couple of community colleges, not just Tallahassee Community College, but also North Florida College down in Madison, which is where I got my first full-time appointment uh, as a professor of history, worked there for three years, 
uh, before coming over to TCC, where now I am starting my 16th year. What do you like to teach? What what area of history are you teaching? Um, I primarily at TCC teach um, post-Civil War history. Um, and, you know, in the interest of full disclosure, I wasn't really a fan of early American uh, history, but, but I've actually grown to enjoy teaching uh, that topic within American history more. Um, it's almost as if the more you learn, the more you get excited about what you learn. And, and certainly when you teach, you become a student all over again. Um, so that being said, though, I think I'm still more a fan of uh, post-Civil War American history, especially 20th century. Yeah, I can. I can. There's so much was going on. You can build a whole class around just the 20th century. And in fact, some institutions are moving in that direction Mm -hmm. just to focus on the 20th century. The only problem there is you 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 need so much context um, to, you know, to understand what brought you to that point in American history. But but yeah, the 20th century is is definitely, uh, without a doubt, the most consequential uh, era of American history outside of, you know, the establishment and founding of this country, obviously. Yeah. What are students, how do they respond to history? You know, like when they're taking your classes, it's probably the most in-depth history classes they've been, they've taken. Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, what's interesting is uh, most students think they don't like it. <laughs> and, you know, I tell them, well, it's probably in, in how it's been presented to you. Uh, not to cast aspersions on my colleagues at the pre-collegiate level, Having been a pre-collegiate teacher myself, I, I understand the demands that are placed on uh, K-12 teachers, uh, even now, more so than when, you know, I was teaching back in the 90s and, and early aughts. Um, but that being said, you know, because of the demands that are often placed on uh, middle and high school teachers, they, they don't really have the luxury that I have, and maybe uh, not even the same level of academic freedom that I have to to share with students, especially some of the more unsavory elements um, of our past, which, um, you know, is increasingly more challenging to do, shall we say, (laughs) uh, in this current environment. So yeah, often students come in with a very uh, negative uh, view towards the subject. It's boring. It's, you know, I, I hear it all the time. And I'm not here to tell you that, you know, I'm a barrel of laughs and a barrel of monkeys every day. I mean, the, the content is the content and we have quite a bit of it to get through. Uh, but that being said, um, I think that I have done my fair share of uh, enlightening people or helping them to discover that maybe history isn't as boring as they maybe once thought it was. Yeah, and and just like you said, things are so cyclical. If you don't understand your past, then you 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 struggle with where we're going for our future. So, having some exposure to our history is really so critical for 
our society, our democracy, all of those factors. All of those things. Well, one thing, one way that I help the students or impress that um, that precept uh, upon them, the importance of knowing history and all the implications that holds uh, for their role as informed citizens uh, in our society, is I make it personal. Um, it's important to know the history of the person that you might be interested in in spending the rest of your life with, right? It's important to know their history, their family history. It's important for them to know your history. And and oftentimes when I'm able to make sort of those those personal parallels you know, it helps them to understand it. Oh, well, yeah, you know. Uh, I, I often use this example. You know, ladies, uh, if uh, he has this history of not wanting to even get work tasting pies in a pie factory, you know, is this somebody you really <laughs> want to, you know, spend the rest of your life with if, if, you know, somebody who's a provider, if that's an important value for you? You wouldn't you want to know that history? <laughs> Absolutely. So you know, making it personal. Yeah. So, sixteen years coming up. What keeps you inspired in the work that you do? Oh, the beautiful thing about the work that I do is it's 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 constantly uh, changing in terms of the students you work with and and. What I mean by that is the, the, the names and the faces and the individuals change, but they're, they're, the, the opportunities that you have, uh, they don't necessarily change. That remains static. Your opportunity to enlighten, uh, inform, educate, and seeing those you know lights come on realizations of, oh, this is probably actually a topic that, that I do have an interest in. That keeps me going. Um, and, and again, just the passion that I have for the topic itself. Um, I'm constantly reading, so I'm not asking my students to do things in that regard that I myself am not doing um, in trying to just keep abreast of the uh, magnitude of the research that's constantly evolving and constantly being put out there. Um, you know, I do that so that I can keep my teaching fresh. And in keeping my teaching fresh, it helps me to, you know, not get burned out. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and, and I hope that that comes across when I am interacting uh, with my students. And, you know, I have been told that, that it does. Um, having students who you once taught um, validate what your course meant to them or what you meant to them as a professor, uh, that too is very inspirational. And, um, and it keeps me humbled, uh, but it also keeps me, keeps me um, inspired to want to keep, keep going. So I have a question for you. For the general public who might hear this interview, what would you recommend to them to read or look at to to understand history a little better, to educate themselves on the cyclical nature of of our world and our country, on the the issues that impact us so deeply? 
Gee, um, off the top of my head, there's so many um, books and, and authors um, that I could recommend. But you know what I'll do? Because everyone's tastes are different. Everyone's interests are different. What I might um, actually encourage people to do who are listening uh, to, to inspire their own or to create a, a desire to learn more about history in general is to just start with the personal. Start with your family. Um, I found that with my students, now, of course, with me being at a community college, the demographic of students who I deal with might be slightly different than the demographic you might find at, say, Florida State or, or Florida A&M. Uh, the age range, you know, runs the gamut. But I still do have the majority of students who are in that quote-unquote traditional age range from 17 to, to 21. And I often tell them, I feel like you don't talk to your elders enough. Um, I know sometimes when you're at the Thanksgiving dinner table and granddaddy, you know, starts talking about the war stories that you've maybe have heard, you know, for the upteenth time, you start rolling your eyes, oh, here we go again. But, but it's in those stories that your elders convey that you, you get a sense for how we really are connected and how, how we really are a part of a greater whole. The stories that my grandfather used to tell about his time uh, in World War II as an army cook, I'm then able to place that within the context of broader histories that I read about black service members during World War II. Oh, well, I see my grandfather uh, reflected uh, in that research. Um, same thing with, with my mom, who wasn't until later in life I learned that my mother, as a teenager, actually participated in some uh, acts of civil disobedience uh, in Madison County. And for whatever reason, did not share that with me growing up, but did share some stories um, when I was like on the other side of high school. Perhaps she had her reasons for that. But knowing that when I read about sit-ins and boycotts and demonstrations, my mother did that uh, in, in, Madison County, in Madison County back in the 60s. So that's what I would encourage your listeners to do. Start with your family. Uh, go to, you know, that aunt that is the repository for, for, of knowledge, the storehouse of knowledge for all things related to your family. Or in some families, it might be the uncle, um, the grandparent. Uh, but just find that, that person and, and start there. Uh, and from those stories, you can then uh, channel your, your interests into the broader themes that those stories may direct you to whether it's the Vietnam War, whether it's the Civil Rights Movement, uh, whether it's World War II, um, any of those broader uh, events that has had such an impact on, on, our, on our history. Good advice. I think that's really great advice. Sarah, any last things you'd like to add to this conversation? You know, I can talk about history all day um, and and helping people to inspire their own uh, interest. And maybe that from that interest, it can evolve into a love and a passion. 
uh, for it. So I do just appreciate the opportunity uh, to to get some of these thoughts out. And um, hopefully some people will find them useful. It's really been fun to, to talk with you. And thank you for thank you for being an advisor on our Florida Humanities Project that we're calling Not So Black and White. Uh, we appreciate you lending your knowledge to that project. And thank you for coming and speaking with me here today. And You're welcome. Andrea Oliver, Professor of History at Tallahassee Community College.